my goodness. Show Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter in the studio and loads to cram in to our week six review. We're not going to go back over all the week six games because we're a day late with the podcast this week. I'm sorry. Don't shoot us. We had lots to do. But we're going to look back on our favourite points from the week. We're also going to speak with Mike Tannier, the lead NFL writer for Bleach Report. We're going to speak to Vinny Bonsignore from the LA Daily News. And much more beside this is the Good Show. Yeah, indeed. Good evening. Good morning. Good day. Because people listen to podcasts at different times. I didn't think about that before I did it, Ollie. Just uh, go with hello. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. I got really overexcited and rolled my R's too much and did even mention our third, third guest oh, of the show. Such a Billy Big <laughs> Lewis Wiltshire, uh, the Senior Director of Media Partnerships at Twitter. He was previously the head of sports at Twitter. Uh, I, I, myself and Ollie did the Talk Sports 2 NFL show alongside him this week. We had a lovely conversation all about NFL and Twitter and the Thursday night partnership and two screening uh, sport and all that sort of stuff. So that was really interesting. We're going to bring you that as well. And we're going to be speaking with Mike Tannier about New York football, a bit of Jets, but mostly Giants ahead of this weekend's Twickenham game and LA Rams with Vinny Bonsignore from the LA Daily News. Loads of stuff to cram in. Did you get all of the Jets stuff? Uh, have you done that already? Because I may have chopped all of that out to make it fit into a two-hour show there's no jet stuff in the vinnie Bo- in the mike tannier interview because i took the version which you put into the talk sport 2 show so well no i've still we'll got it here i've still got it here pop it into my uh, into my folder and i'll make sure we do the version with the jets chatting right, okay right. we've also got loads of your tweets jets, These are- jets fans probably wouldn't want us to talk about the jets. yeah that is true Fair point. Should we, we just leave it out? <laughs> and, uh, pop it in there. Come on. They want right. to hear. Right. Tom Knight sent us the most angry, lengthy tweet I've ever read in my life So uh, when we were doing the TalkSport show. So uh, we'll make sure to co- talk about that as well. Filled in for Nat on the TalkSport show this week. He um, had a personal situation. Nothing serious. Don't worry. Just had childcare issues. And therefore, we had to uh, we had to fill in. And I thought we did manfully, Ollie. It was a good show. I like the way I'm always here, so therefore it's not we. I'm just but, trying but to include Billy you. Big Come Bollocks on, has gone to the whole we level now. Talking about himself as a we. Hashtag blue tack, blue tick Gavin. Ah, uh, you, I'd say blue tack. <laughs> <laughs> blue tack Gavin. Someone ped- pedantly picked up that it's actually a white tick. Oh yeah, piss off. That was Ben Isaacs. Was that Ben Isaacs? Yeah. Oh, the, you're dead to us. Who ben. also has a white tick slash blue tick. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I, I wonder how long it would t- take for you to bring that up. You are... And, and if anyone listens to the NFL show as well, it doesn't take long for him to bring up the white slash blue tick. How much fun was um, the Hippodrome on Sunday night? I'll tell you what, man. I had, a, I had a very good time. Yeah, it was good. We had a little booth. We had some drinks. We had some wings. It was great fun. Wade and the guys from DraftKings lay it on. It was, uh, it was a delightful evening. Aurora. And you know, oh, I owe you 20 quid. Don't let me forget. <laughs> I have already forgotten, but thanks, mate. No, I owe uh, you. Uh, do... Damn it, I should have given it you as a birthday present. Yeah, you should have done. You're right. Uh, by the time people listen to this, it's going to be my birthday as well. So, uh... Birthday! <laughs> Do you ever feel like we spend too much time together? <laughs> that was totally unplanned. We both went birthday. <laughs> I am a little bit giddy. I've I've done uh, six and a half hours on TalkSport to yeah, talk, yeah, talk to I've today. No, it's not in a Billy Big Bollocks way. Like, it's in a, yeah, yeah. I've talked mm. too much on mm. radio today and I've got a little bit delirious and I've left my wife home alone. She was, because uh, we're not going to spend tomorrow morning together. She's got to go to work. So she wanted me to do my presents tonight and open my cards and it was going to be a whole thing. And instead, I came here to spend three hours with you and Lewis Wiltshire and our fine guests and listeners to talk about NFL on TalkSport. And now you're faffing with me. Rather than being there. Fair. That is fair. We are faffing. Let's get on and talk. Is there anything... I haven't really got any hashtag office gossip. I have. Hashtag office gossip. Now, people may remember... Oh, you got some good news. Yeah, from the last gridiron, I was pretty pissed off. 
uh, peeved. I was peeved. You can say pissed off. I do. In I'm America, just... you can say it on the radio. You can't hear. Um, didn't, didn't my cousin said bullshit during our show as well? Yeah, I basically I lopped that whole bit out. <laughs> I lopped it off like a like a bad mole. Um, oh, funny. And it sounds like it just sounds like a dump. So it sounds like I've dumped it. Brilliant. Uh, That's it. really really funny. Uh, anyway. Uh, people may remember that uh, the show that I normally work on, the one that pays my bills, Drive, has been nominated for a Radio Oscar Award. Um, I'm definitely overselling that. <laughs> no, you're not. It's brilliant. Well done, mate. And yeah, Which is great, but I was the only person that uh, has been continuously working on the show for that, for the said calendar year, apart from the two presenters. Um I built the entry, selected all of the right clips. I've made it wonderful. It basically, it's all down to me. They didn't invite me. No one invited me. Yeah, it deserves this. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> we should. What you're saying is we should be celebrating your sadness. <laughs> celebrating my sadness. However, today, Big Boss Steve Morgan very flippantly actually says, "Do you want to go?" And I said, "Yeah." So I'm going! Yay! Roll the tape. (laughs) It's it's a celebration tinged with sadness. (laughs) Fitz Tragic! Fitz Tragic really should be his new name. Pulled from the Monday Night Football game against the Arizona Cardinals in in favour of Geno Smith. He's going to return this weekend, according to Todd Bowles. What? Uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, Come on. Absolutely not. The guy is drunk, but there he goes! So do you know how I am going to spend my birthday, Ollie? Um, well, other than going to LA Rams training tomorrow to get you lovely people some audio for our preview show later in the week. Now, let me think. I think you want to do exactly the only things that you want to do. So you will go to somewhere, maybe Hawksmoorish, or maybe I did that last liquor. year. I went, I went for a steak last year on my own in the daytime while my wife was at work, and I don't care. I was just like, I did. I, it's like when going to the cinema on my own. I just went, I enjoyed a steak. With a blue cheese sauce, oh. and I went and watched a film at the cinema. Was it a, a great yeah, birthday? It was glorious. It was a great. And then I went home and I and I saw my wife and we had dinner and it was delightful. Uh, but no, go, this year doing... I'm mostly going to be playing Madden in my pants. Oh, have you received Madden? I I, I received and enjoyed. Uh, how, well, how come I never get a Madden? Because you, you don't own a games console. Yeah, that's not the point. Maybe I want a Madden. If you get it. a games console, I'll make sure you get a review copy of Madden next year. You can have my copy. In fact, I've got. No, I don't have a spare one. I have to send it back. Billy Big uh, so I've got two <laughs> copies of Madden. Look, uh, it is brilliant. It's so good. Um, I mean, how does it? How does it get better than the year before? So, so you it, probably it, said. It is brilliant. I mean, it's really good. Here's the problem. EA have that really tough balancing act when it comes to Madden. Like, particularly with that UK fan base and the constant development, how do you appeal to, like, complete rookies and be deep enough for the hardcore X's and O's veterans? Add to that the same issue as all the modern franchises where you have to add enough new elements every year to make fans worth spending their hard-earned cash on. And I genuinely think, I think they've absolutely nailed it. In most fronts this year. Yeah, I love the beginning bit. You've played the last game. You've not played the new one. So in the last game, you had um, the Steelers-Cardinals Super Bowl 50. You played that little, like, scenario at the beginning, that drama, that pomp and circumstance. But it also taught you all the new features of the game. Well, in this one, rather than that, the glitzy opening sequence is the Rams... Uh, moving to LA, now not even Madden believes they're going to go to the Super Bowl. So it's a wild card... Uh, playoff game <laughs> against Washington uh, <laughs> dropped into that game Washington you're threatening to ruin the Hollywood story of Jess Fisher winning a playoff game with the Rams on his first season so there. are you Washington yeah no no you're the Rams so you're uh, the Rams did you make yeah. Todd Gurley good uh, <laughs> no, I don't think that's possible this season wow. uh, so Not even Madden thinks Todd Gurley's good <laughs> <laughs> so it gets you like it ratchets up all that excitement gets you super excited but also the game looks amazing you get to learn all all the new uh, focuses. The running games actually had a massive overhaul for this game. Uh, balance kind of making it more simple for newbies, but adding in all these new little modifiers and stuff. I've sure. always been terrible at the running game. Uh, like you know, in picking, real life. Picking this yeah, pit like real life <laughs> where I can't run. I'm kind of the anti-Levion Bell of the gaming world. Like, I can't get the right stutter set, the right spin, can never do it at the right time. Do you always, you never sort of wait for the play 
to develop behind your, oh, your terrible. offensive line. No patience whatsoever. No patience. That's so I just gaff. run forward and hit that hole. But they offer like new little prompts to help you make that perfect little thing to, to kind of get Luke Keekley looking a bit more like Aaron Curry. Um, and you, there's an option for an indicated running lane as well. You know, like you'd have a racing line on a Gran Turismo or something oh, like yeah. that. I, that's a little too far. It kind of takes away the satisfaction from actually breaking off a big 50-yard run, something I've probably only ever done once. Also, you'll be glad to know, Ollie. Mm. Special Teams has had a big overhaul. Ah, oh, thank goodness. Uh, uh, that was my main concern, so actually. <laughs> that uh, the Special Teams... It was just lacking. Uh, kickoffs, field goals, punts, all made more difficult uh, by having to hold the direction and do all this other stuff. It's not the most thrilling addition, but punters are people too, after all. Have, and the kicking, is that still... Kick it, kicking's better, and it's much easier to do both fakes and and do interesting things, but also it's easier to block punts and block field goals now. Like they've made that uh, element easier as well, so it's more fun, basically. For the bang. Uh, the overall improvement in mechanics, big stuff. I still don't understand Ultimate Team. I can't get into it whatsoever. The kind of trading card, fantasy-type game. They do the fantasy draft mode as well, which is fun, but I don't really do it. But I love Madden Universe. You will be glad to know that the Dublin Shamrocks look Super Bowl ban- bound in season three. Oh, yeah, Dublin a, Shamrocks. Yeah, I picked a slightly racist name, but there we go. It was the, the most popular one. Well, Leprechauns would be up there, wouldn't they? they I, the Oakland Raiders, I'm so angry about the Las Vegas thing, by the did, way. Did they move to Las Vegas? So, oh, no, I've moved them to Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how can you get angry with them? Uh, because you're Las Vegas absolute, is nonsense. The transient fan disgrace. base that will come with Las Vegas is utter nonsense. It's a total failure waiting to happen. They're going to be a rubbish franchise. It's going to ruin everything the Raiders have stood for for years. Sorry, I need to get off my chest. Look, all in all, loving the new Madden game. Uh, love the kind of focus for new players. It's kind of if they got those extra game modes nailed as well outside of the um, outside of the kind of career mode, then it would be maybe the best game of the whole series. Have you played? But it's as, well up there. Have you played as the 49ers yet, or yeah. can't you bring yourself to do it? No, I've played. As the 49ers. Do they still suck on the game? They are pretty terrible. On the yeah, game. yeah. Uh, did you bench? Gabbert for Kaepernick. I did, yeah. <laughs> well, you would do. You can run option plays and stuff. It's more mm-hmm. exciting that way. Right, should we actually... Uh, 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 f- muttering... Uh, uh, language. <laughs> what is your problem? <laughs> muttering oh about God. Madden for some time now. Uh, <laughs> I did not intend to go into a full review mode there, but I did, and I apologise because I'm excited about it. Well, because he's Billy Big Bollocks and he's contracted, contractually obliged <laughs> to do so. Trying uh, to, Trying to... Trying to pull the wool all over your eyes, guys. Not over mine. Not over mine. Not talking. Come on, mate. You've upset me. Truth hurts. Right, so, uh, here's, how, here's what we should do about the weekend's games, because there's no point in going through all of them. There were some clear standouts in there, and we could talk through every game, and I'm sure we could spend an hour doing it, but we're probably a little bit late to the party now. Everyone's already listened to the Around the NFL review of the weekend, the Fantasy Focus review of the weekend. Sure. But we've got loads of people have tweeted into the TalkSport 2 show, and we're stealing their tweets. Uh, so I think we should go through those and give our views on, on the different various things that people have asked. I am live-checking my email for reply from Greg Rosenthal. Yes, I am Ollie Big Boy. You're going to see if you can get Greg online now. <laughs> uh, let's not get him on now. Oh, come on. Nah. Are we going to we're going to go for a drink with him this we're, week? No, right? what I'm saying is let's see when he when he arrives and uh, let's go for a drink with him. He has replied. Why is the internet in here so rubbish? Well, come back to it. Let's go through some of the things this week. Andy has tweeted saying Vontae's perfect enforcer or cheap shop merchant. Discuss. The latter. Very much the latter. It very much looks like Vontae's perfect might not make his way to England for the Cincinnati Bengals game with Washington next weekend. Of course, the after party for which gridiron-magazine.com forward slash after party you can still get tickets for. They are selling and they're selling well, but there are still tickets available. We expect it to sell out during the game week. So make sure you get your tickets ASAP. You know what we should do? £10, free mag, free beer, all of that. If we should invite Vontae's. Because <laughs> he's not going to be playing. he's not going to be playing, why if doesn't you, he come straight down? If you've not seen the cheap shot on... It's, it's less the cheap shot on Martellus Bennett because there is an argument that there was the pump fake and you can see why he... would like It wasn't a great shot anyway, but there's there's some argument. It's the, the stamp, the late foot left in on Vontaze Perfect, uh, like standing on his leg just after... He's, not on Vontaze Perfect, that's him, on the Garrett Blunt just after he scored his touchdown that was an utter disgrace. Oh, and there was a big kind of uh, fracas... <sighs> And let's be honest, the Bengals bandwagon is well and truly 
off the tracks. Yeah, man. I mean, it it's it, it doesn't even deserve it doesn't the music. Even, it doesn't even deserve it. I've got it though. Do you want it? <laughs> yeah, why not? It's um, actually should be on the Talksport thing now, but that's fine. You is it were, on the Talksport thing? Maybe I don't know. Uh, what, you put it in uh, in gridiron. Oh, I didn't fanny around with Miriam. Oh, no, look, I don't touch your profile. I well, feel bad if I do. Well, you should do. The the, uh, the Patriots look phenomenal. You on the Patriots? Band? The page. I'm not on the Patriots bandwagon, but there's it's a bandwagon worth joining. Because Is there a bandwagon that we're not on? Uh, the Cowboys bandwagon? Uh, we probably should get on the Cowboys bandwagon because they decimated the Green Bay Packers, Ollie. Uh, I'm going to be wearing that Cole Beasley jersey to the International Series next game. And by the way, I said Super Bowl on the original podcast, not playoffs, like I said to Cole Beasley. I just want to ratify whoa, whoa, and whoa. verify that. Well, you've said it to Cole Beasley. It's it's Super Bowl. No, no. The original bet was Super Bowl. Get, get, That's what matters. Get, if you've said play, no one, no one would have Hashtag picked that triple up. Hashtag Triple B. You are a turncoat disgrace. Hashtag Quadruple B. Hashtag. What are you on about? <laughs> Um, Billy Bloody Big Bollocks. Uh, uh, Greg Rosenthal, he's arriving tomorrow afternoon and heading straight to the Rams. Oh, I'll see him there then. See him there. Um, Say hello from me. I oh, will do. I'll be in Leeds. Uh, send, him, send him an email saying, Will Gavin's going to be there, yada yada, he'll catch up with you there. Just find the, the most ginger man Overweight in the building. Overweight ginger. Dude, I was going to leave that out. Well, it doesn't matter. I don't like it when you, you can put it bring yourself it's down. It's fine. I'm not going to do What's that. wrong with Aaron Rodgers, Ollie? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, it was kind of slightly, kind of, a, I don't know, somewhere between disappointment and orgasm. It was a bit of both, um, <laughs> which is how most my lovers feel. <laughs> it's a family this show. so off the rails. <laughs> sorry, guys. Hashtag family show. Uh, look, Aaron, uh, well, what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers is, and some other wonderful podcasts have, have said it, I'm going to paraphrase, uh, and this is not my original view he has got into a few bad habits from only feeling comfortable when the play breaks down and therefore when he does make a play it looks incredible but so often he either overthrows it or he underthrows it or makes the wrong choice doesn't set or his gets feet. sacked he's throwing off it without his setting his feet i can't remember the last time he stayed in the pocket and actually just, just delivered, stepped, up. stepped up and delivered the ball, rather and, than jinking and juking and jiving and jabbing around. And I don't want to blame it entirely on Aaron Rodgers, because I think what it is has been a gradual degradation over 12 months, where guys haven't been open, so he was forced to make those sort of plays, and then he's got into that habit of making those sort of yeah. plays, and then the offensive line has suddenly got so much better this year, so he suddenly has time to make those plays. Somebody needs to sit him down and work, go back to basics on his mechanics a bit, which is amazing to say for a guy who is a few future Hall of Famer but the the last 12 months have been poor and Matt Sherry's going to listen to this and be all giddy like a school child he definitely doesn't listen um, uh, <laughs> but uh, th- th- there's a stat he dropped back 42 times yeah he was pressured six times you should be if if, if that's a insane quarterback of his quality yeah hitting those yeah. sorts of stats should be beating teams by 30 points not losing to them I think the co- the coverage was great the coverage was made great because Eddie Lacey and James Stark. James Starks was out. Eddie Lacey was injured. Now you've got Niall Davis. We've got Niall Davis. Did you not hear? You are, you've are. you been in work, haven't you? Yeah. Traded a late-round pick for Niall Davis today. The first trade for the Packers since 2010. Well, I tell you what. It's about bloody time. And the fact that it had to come to this and they didn't have enough space on their roster for more than two running backs and a fullback is a... That is an aberration. What I from like Ted about Thompson. N- he is a disgrace. What I like about Niall Davis as well is beyond. Is wrong, Sorry, I kind of like that you hit it twice. <laughs> it made it all echoey. That was exciting. Um, the thing I like about uh, Niall Davis, beyond the fact that he offers you depth at running back, is that he's a great returner. Uh, he, and he catches out of the backfield as in, well. In the space of... He does that as well. In the space of the last two years, I think he's got the highest average return. It's about 27.5 yards. Two return touchdowns in that time as well. He looks like a good pickup for the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers, sort your feet out, mate. Uh, a tweet coming in from Nick Boyd asks, what coaches... Should coaches have the option to challenge pass interference calls or lack thereof? And Andy tweets also thrown in, when is pass interference not pass interference? 
answer when it's on the Seahawks at home. This is obviously a reference to the fact that the Atlanta Falcons are four and two, having lost to the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. But man, did they run them close! A brilliant second half performance after they made adjustments on offense. Uh, Shanahan deserves all the love in the world for what he's doing with that offense, even though they lost. They really imposed themselves as NFC title potential because they know now from what they've seen from that game, they could go in Seattle in the playoffs and beat them. And I think given another opportunity, they may well do so. Yes, that was a bullshit call that got missed. Yes, that was frustrating for Julio and everyone else involved, but they could beat this Seattle team in Seattle. They have the potential that they could beat the Cowboys. The Falcons at this point look the real deal. To answer, what was his name? Nick Boyd. To answer his question, yes, they should be able to challenge. Especially, probably, you, you wouldn't want it the whole game. So perhaps a compromise in the final two minutes, you're allowed to challenge every play. Perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, within reason. Yeah, I kind of buy into that every play should be challengeable, but I know people will take advantage of that. So there have to be penalties and, uh, if people are, are clearly taking advantage and challenging. Uh, and ergo, bum calls. Challenge in the final two minutes where the games are on the line. But, but you can't challenge in the final two minutes. All plays should be, re- all reviewable plays are reviewed in the final two minutes. It's just the PI isn't a reviewable play. It's that, well, like, therefore, that needs that needs to be changed. Well, there's a few of those that need to be changed as well because the kind of personal foul as well, the um, unnecessary roughness that's not in any way challengeable and we've had situations and I, I know I'm raising this one specifically as a 49ers fan but it's just one that sticks in the mind from recent years was the Navarra Bowman challenge on Drew Brees where it's not a sad music one it's just an example <laughs> you're so easy to wind up <laughs> um, where he hit him at, on the shoulder and because of the force of the hit Breeze's neck jerked back and it looked and don't get me wrong everyone thought that he'd hit him around the neck and head area and I totally understood why the flag was given but you just needed to watch the replay twice and you realised that it was a perfectly clean hit Mm. and actually that was a game that the 49ers lost in a very tight one and that 15 yards made all the difference on that drive they went and scored so you know it's things like that which should be reviewable but just to come back to the Falcons, and this is, I'm totally stealing this from Andy Benoit from the MMQB and a brilliant article he wrote. But it's fascinating. He, he's such a, I've t- spoken about him a couple of times recently, but such a great tape watcher. Uh, he's up there with the likes of Greg Cosell for me, and that's quite high praise. Um, but he, what he noticed was that what the Falcons did in that second half was, Richard Sherman only lines up on one side of the field. He doesn't really generally travel with the wide receivers. And so what they were doing, his his job in that cover three formation, Richard Sherman, is to play deep on that sideline and to follow the vertical route. Mm-hmm. So if somebody, who's the, the receiver outside the numbers, goes vertical, his job is to stay with them, stay with them at pace and break up the place. And it's what he does brilliantly. He's phenomenal at jumping routes. What they did was they lined up uh, Toyafolo, Toyafolo, the, the, they're the Larry. Uh, outside of Julio Jones. Occasionally Sherman did travel inside with Jones, but generally stayed outside. And then they ran deep crossing routes where they were having the guys get up there, cross over, confuse that guy on the outside, and it led to the two biggest plays of the game for mm. them. The one where Toyafolo cut in on the slant and, and Sherman actually blew the coverage and went with him when he should have stayed deep with Julio. And the big Julio catch as well. Uh, the big uh, Toyafolo catch as well. Well, sorry, both of those they got they ran from that play, and it kind of shows that if you've got two deep threats and you're going against Seattle, they can be beaten in that area of the field. And the Falcons, it's more great offensive scheming. It was really impressive, and uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm buying into this team. I look with envy on I'm in Atlanta. A, <laughs> yeah, if only there was a great play. We talked a lot about Washington last year, and there's a great play for the Jamison Crowder touchdown where they lined up three receivers on the short side, which is quite a rare thing to do. And they all ran some kind of crossing pattern or you know cutting route or post route, and the defense just had no clue what to do. And Crowder ended up completely wide open in the end zone. And I just thought. Imagine if Green Bay just threw in a few wrinkles like that. That was genuinely the thought that came to my head as I watched that play develop. And uh, yeah, I felt for you, buddy. I really did. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Uh, Carolina Panthers, one and five. One and five. Whoa. Um, Uh, What is going on there? 
they, they've had huge injury problems in the back end uh, with their secondary. Losing Josh Norman is has been a bigger factor than they thought it would be. But they've had a combination of rookies underperforming, of guys like Ben Ben Wickery, who did play up to a good standard last year opposite John Norman, not stepping up and eventually... John Norman? John Norman. <laughs> well, the, the TalkSport to the cricket correspondent. <laughs> cricket editor for TalkSport, John Norman. Josh wow. Norman is, of course, who I mean. Um, uh, look, the, the guys... Uh, I can't he's drunk. Uh, yeah, the guy is drunk. Will Gavin is drunk, so there he goes. Uh, I secondary. I believe that the Panthers have a, a will bounce back this year, but it, they're just in too much of a hole at this point. Yeah. I do. I think they could end up with a nine and nine and seven type record, which from where they are right now means winning nine of their remaining eleven games. No, they're nine, on eight they're, of their remaining ten, whatever that is. Yeah. But I don't see them winning 10, 11 of their remaining games. I don't see them doing that. And I think there are better, there are enough good teams in the NFC to push them out of a potential playoff situation. I think the the bye week that they'll be going on next week or this week, as it the, the next lo- load of games they're on bye. So I think that's probably come at the. It could have come last week and it would have been ideal for them, but now is now is definitely when they need that buy. The Saints deserve a lot of stick in this loss as well. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, okay. The the offensive scheming is unbelievable in that team. The the way that they have managed to put together an offense there, yet again, uh, it's starting to look like that great offensive team that went to the Super Bowl and won it. But they've had the same problems on defense for like eight years now and not done anything to fix it. Imagine if they brought in Jim Schwartz in the offseason, like the Eagles did. What he could have done to that defense, it's utterly preposterous. And Sean Payton is at the point now where despite being one of the greatest offensive minds in the league, his job should be at risk because they've just not sorted that defense out. And they're ruining the possible Super Bowl window for Drew Brees. And it makes me angry. Yeah, I agree. That's just... I, just I mean, yet list. again, it is an, a management the organisation management who are holding back a quarterback that could be stratospheric. I'm, Where the management haven't held back Tom Brady and he's got his seven or nine... Seven of nine? Where does that come from? His, <laughs> his, his, is it five Super Bowl rings? Four Super Bowl rings now? Organisations that have held back Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. You know, this is... It's, it's almost... It's bordering on criminal... And NFL fans in a suing culture in America, they should be able to sue these guys for lack of championships. The very last one I want to touch on, because it's something that we bigged up uh, in the show last week, is the Chiefs win at the Raiders. Uh, Dave Richards tweets, how's about the NFC, the AFC West? Hard to see who's going to top it. This is bringing everyone back closer into 500, back into line. thought the Chargers were really impressive against the Broncos this week. Chiefs. The Chiefs get the win. Alex Smith looked excellent in this game. The Chargers with those rookies that we bigged up on the end of last week's show were superb and I think Matt Sherry pointed out on the TalkSport 2 show 17 points away from being 6-0 and this season that's amazing that's how tight they've been this year the Chargers and so considering that Keenan Allen went down and you know Melvin Gordon has been one of the revelations he could win comeback player of the year Jason Verrett was a horrible loss than Manti Teo is a bigger loss than people rate it as you know all in all that AFC West is going to be fascinating for the rest of the year do you know what I'm going to do Ollie? I'm not talking about the Tennessee Titans. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run down the results we've not talked about and give a quick, what literal one-line reaction. Would you like to join me in doing so? Uh, Yeah, go on. The uh, Jacksonville Jaguars get the win over the Bears. Well done, Jags. Second win of the season, but Bortles for three quarters was bad. Aurelius Ben who? (laughs) The Buffalo Bills beat the San Francisco 49ers by 45 points to 16. It was a late blowout, but LaShawn McCoy, wow, 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 wow. The Bills, well coached. Oh, I love LeSean McCoy. Tyrod Taylor is looking more and more interesting every week. The Miami Dolphins, 30. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 15. Now, the Steelers have a tendency to put up a couple of games like this a season where they just completely dumbfound us. But against the Dolphins, with Ben down now, not happy. So streaky. <laughs> is that the streak? NFC, AFC... East is the streakiest division in the league. It very well could be. It very well could be. The Los Angeles Rams 28, the Detroit Lions 31. We're going to talk Rams in a moment, but just quickly, Jim Bob Cooter back in town. Played well. 
Philadelphia Golden lost their Tate second the on business. the bounce, 20 to 27 in Washington. It's another game the Eagles probably could have won, but Carson Wentz, you know, they, they bottled him. They did a good job of it. Washington defence did brilliantly. And without Jordan Reed, they still managed to win. Run game. Yeah. Run game. Vernon Davis. Tennessee Titans 28, Cleveland Browns 26. The Mariota Revolution is back after the last two weeks. They face Miami next week, I believe. That's... They placed Miami last week. They've got another easy game this coming week. Uh, You know, okay, he's probably going to look good in that one. Host the Colts. But I still... There you go. Hosting the Colts. But I still don't quite buy into it. It's going to be three wins over three bad teams. Cleveland Browns... Terrell Pryor came down, I think, with a, a minor hamstring or he's playing with an injury. I feel so bad for them. We're going to talk Giants Ravens in a mo. We're going to talk Giants in a moment with uh, with our Giants correspondent, who is Mike Tanier, the NFL lead writer at Bleacher Report. But Odell Beckham, quit the net stuff, but have yourself a day, son. And for all the cricket fans out there, two touchdowns for two hundred and twenty-two. You enjoyed that, didn't you? Richie Benno. A little bit too much. Look, there will be cricket fans that will have loved that. That's fine. The Arizona Cardinals beat the New York Jets 28-3. We've mentioned this briefly. The Jets are bad, and we'll talk to Mike Tanier about that as well. But David Johnson! And the Houston Texans... Oh, David Johnson, what a monster. And the Houston Texans 26, Indianapolis Colts 23. This was another example of the Colts throwing a game away that they could have won. They actually started quicker in this one, the Colts, which has been the opposite of their problem so far this season. Houston... Bad offence for three quarters. But actually, I just saw enough from Brock Osweiler in those final two drives to make me go, maybe. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Number six is normally the uh, hysterical drop. (laughs) It was vomiting. (laughs) Which was surprisingly suitable. Uh, And Lamar Miller, well done, sir. Well done, sir. This is a a tale of two organisations that one has backed a quarterback that they really shouldn't have done in Brock Osweiler and the other who is not giving enough backing to a quarterback they really should be in Andrew Luck. Fair. Thanks very much. Uh, We're going to move on to our interviews now. Let's start off with Mike Tannier, the NFL lead writer at Bleach Report. And I began off by telling him that with Odell Beckham and his 222 yards last week, the NFL fans in the UK are at fever pitch to see him at Twickenham. <laughs> Very excited to see Odell Beckham on and off the field, I'm betting, because not only do you get to see exciting, electrifying touchdowns, you get to see his weird romance or bromance or whatever it is with the, with the field goal netting on the, si- on the sideline as well. Haven't we all got tired of that already? <laughs> you know, they, they, they proposed to each other last week, so you guys, it might be a real wedding type of thing. Might be time to get get your uh, your tabloids, your paparazzi going. Maybe put that uh, maybe put that netting on page six. I don't know if you guys still do that or whatever, but uh, <laughs> but you know, the real hopefully the real show will be on the field, and Odell Beckham will give you the good Odell Beckham who catches touchdowns, and makes one handed catches, not the bad Odell Beckham who throws the temper tantrums. Well, certainly, I mean that's that's what uh, these London games, Mike, has sold on the big name stars coming over. So obviously, the moment they lined up Rams and Giants, it was all about Todd Gurley. It was all about Odell Beckham. One side of that is letting us down so far this season. So the big question is, with this offense under Ben McAdoo this year, where it felt like they weren't stretching the field enough prior to this week, and even this week it was kind of yards after the catch, was this a one-off in what's been a poor season otherwise, or is this the the kind of outlier that's going to lead to the rest of the season picking up and, and this offense starting to click? You're going to see all different things. And one of the things you see a lot when Odell Beckham is on the field is the opposing safety 30 yards down the field, you know, on his side of the field, try to prevent him from making those catches. Now, when that happens, that should create an exciting underneath game. And that's what eventually happened for the Giants this this, uh, week. They went out there. They were throwing those short passes. It wasn't particularly exciting. But Odell Beckham doesn't have to catch a 50-yard pass. He can catch that 5-yard pass and separate and make that safety make the play downfield. And I think you're likely to see some of that against the Rams team. The defense has been a very good defense for years, but they're kind of beat up right now. They lost some guys in their secondary. Some of the guys who would be covering Odell Beckham are now. Yeah, some of them are playing for the Giants and Janoris Jenkins. So I think you're going to see some lot of opportunities, not just for Odell Beckham, but for his teammates when he opens things up with the, with the coverage he draws. Got to, we, all the talk is about Odell Beckham. Mike, uh, got to ask you about Eli as well. Um, how, how, how do you feel he's been doing this season? Kind of what's, what's changed? What's, what's still to come for him? 
Well, you know, he's having a little bit of a rough year. One thing is his pass protection has not been strong. That offensive line is not very good. Uh, so he's been trying to throw on the move, which he's not good at. I mean, he's forced to throw a lot of shorter passes, underneath passes to his running backs. As in, his running backs have been injured, so he hasn't had his top guys like Rashad Jennings, who will play, and Shane Vereen, who won't play this week. So he hasn't had a lot of that. So you know, overall, when things are going well and he has protection, he still looks like the Eli standing of old. When things break down and if the Rams can get to him, you're going to see a shaky guy who's getting passes batted down, making some mistakes, and that could be trouble for the New York Giants. I mean, beyond obviously trying to bring the moustache back to the New York market, Ben McAdoo, <laughs> his impact on this team over the last two years, I was really impressed last year with what he added to the offense on top of what they already had with Odell Beckham, etc. Uh, Sterling Shepard through the first four weeks of the season looked like he couldn't not catch anything thrown in his direction and the dink and dunk was working, but... I just can't quite figure out what the, and this word I use about the Rams as well, but the identity of this offense is at the moment. Yeah, I think it's been changing from week to week. I think they wanted to use the backs more, but when Vereen and Jennings were hurt, they were down to their third and fourth backs. They didn't have that. And I think they're also adjusting to the offensive line. I know he doesn't want it to funnel through Odell Beckham. It doesn't want to be 20 targets a game. He wants to use the rookie uh, Shepard. He wants to use Victor Cruz a little bit more often. Um, But it's still evolving. And, again, one of the big things is, each team is going to defend Odell Beckham differently. If teams are going to double cover Odell Beckham and, and have those deep safeties, then you're going to see more check down passes and opportunities for other guys. If we're going to play it straight and say, come at us, beat us with this guy, then you're going to see more shots to that, on that side of the field. And, I, and by the way, you just mentioned it. I, don't re- I didn't realize what a mustache extravaganza we're, we're unleashing on the United Kingdom right now. <laughs> with Jeff Fisher out there. Right. I didn't even think about the Jeff Fisher. Blimey. It's going to be, uh, they're going to fit well in in East London Game with the hipsters in out in Shoreditch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's going to be perfect. Uh, let's just talk, uh, whilst we've got you as well, Mike, about the Jets, because that was a tough, tough loss last night to the Cardinals. And I liked Todd Bowles a lot last year, but I know the schedule's been tough to start the season, but they are in a real hole right now. They are. And what they did is they put together a group of very high-priced older superstars. Uh, defender Darrell Rivas, wide receiver Brandon Marshall, uh, quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's not a superstar, but was an older veteran, cost a lot of money. And they put that team together and they won 10 games last year and they challenged the Patriots and won a late game against the Patriots. And, and it looked like they were making strides forward. Unfortunately, you know how it is with 30-something uh, athletes. They start to get old. Injuries start to rack up. Revis has been alternately hurt and not playing well this year. Uh, they lost Eric Decker, another one of the veteran guys who got hurt. Marshall was hurt for a while, and Fitzpatrick is fading. So now that they turn to their younger stars, they've found that the cupboard is bare. And they're in a situation now where they have a hard time moving the ball. They're having a hard time stopping people on defense because they only have a handful of younger ball players out there who are real difference makers. And because they spent so much money against the salary cap, they don't have a lot. They can't go out and, and get any kind of reinforcements right now. They're kind of stuck with who they got. So we were desperate to give some of the Jets fans listening a bit of positivity. And across the last two guests, we've managed to give them nothing but negativity, Mike. It's very hard because when you look at their bench and say, well, if Fitzpatrick isn't the quarterback of the future, who is it going to be? And you see Geno Smith who had two turnovers last night. And you have uh, two youngsters, uh, Bryce Petty and Christian Hackenberg, who have not been able to get on the field between injuries, inconsistency, poor training camps, things like that. So when you start with saying we don't know who the quarterback is, going forward. It's hard to turn to other parts of the roster and look at you know a player here, a player there, and say that's the future. It's hard to kind of pick out what their path is going forward from where they are right now. Uh, Mike, I want to finish off with Mike Tanya, lead writer uh, from uh, Bleach Report for the NFL. Uh, the game in the US is going to be at 9.30am in New York and we always hear about that huge New York media market and how they overreact to every story but I wonder a New Yorker's going to be getting up at 930 in the morning cracking open maybe an early morning beer on, on, on God's Day on a Sunday morning and sitting down and watching their team play in London uh, some New Yorkers will, or they will tune in as they go. I'm worried about that other super large media market, Los Angeles, where it will be 6.30 in the morning, where they've just gotten this team, where this team doesn't have a lot of star power, despite Todd Gurley, uh, you know, who's a running back who's been kind of fed to the Wolves this year. So I think there's going to be a pretty decent amount of, uh, uh, of interest in the city that never sleeps in New York. I'm wondering what good this is going to do for a team that's just starting out with a new, with a new fan base in Los Angeles, or a new old fan base, because they were there 30 years ago and how this is going to play. I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of Los Angelinos who are not going to be setting alarms waking up at 6.30 in the morning to go watch this game. 
I don't know. I think Los Angeles, they'll all be out having a jog at 6am, won't they? <laughs> Doing for a run around the park and then coming back and eating their quinoa salad and watching the game. That's that's my image of Los Angeles, right? <laughs> they're going to go out and they're going to enjoy their quinoa salad. They're going to take a, a jog on the beach and they're never going to they're going to forget about the game. It's going to be chilly. It's going to be windy. And they're going to say, hey, what's on TV? And they're going to get started. And they're going to bang on and they're, they're going to go. Mike Tannier, lead writer for the uh, British Report on the NFL, on the Giants and Jets. Let's turn and get the other side of the coin, coin with a man whose name I cocked up at least four times on air on TalkSport 2. But he's got a great one. Oh, by the way, Lewis Wilch is the guy alongside me in these interviews from Twitter. We'll hear from him in a moment. This is Vinny Bonsignore of the LA Daily News. He's in the country to cover the Rams. And I asked him how he was enjoying his London experience. Really enjoying it. Uh, it's my first time actually uh, in London. So uh, so that's pretty awesome. You know, we finally have a team in Los Angeles. So it's great to, to be a, a part of these things, not just watching it uh, on the television at 6.30 in the morning back home in California. Uh, it's great to, to actually be here and, and be part of it. Uh, I'm intrigued to know, Vinny. Lance Kendricks came over earlier in the summer. We caught up with him whilst he was here. Do you know what he came back and he told the team what they could expect from their trip over to London? Well, you know, everything about it's, – it's a crazy year, first of all, for the, for the Rams. Obviously, you know that they moved from St. Louis to Los Angeles, and that just began this logistical odyssey that they've been on where they've moved from St. Louis to L.A. and then – various different training facilities in California, and they're traveling all over the place, including this trip to London. So this is a very big piece of a very large puzzle that they're trying to put together as they settle back into Los Angeles. And they did, you know, the thing is they were back here in, two, uh, in 2012, and that's really helped them plan this trip accordingly. You know, they came out, obviously, a week ahead. Uh, they have a practice facility that, that they set up at their team hotel so they don't have to bus in and out. So they've, they've taken notes from last the last trip here in 2012 and, and thrown out what didn't work and kept what did work. And I think that it's made this trip a lot easier. And, and definitely, you know, Lance had some, some good things to say about London and about what to expect when he, when he reported back to the players. Uh, we asked people, Vinny, on Twitter who they expected to win this game at Twickenham this coming weekend. And, and a particular tweet that we had to come in that caught my eye was from a guy, Gary, that said, I've seen two different Fisher coach teams play, scoring a total of seven points when they've been at Wembley. So he's backing the Giants. Just tell us, this team so far this season, they're beating teams they're not expected to beat. They're losing to teams they would be expected to beat. What's the identity of this team at the moment? Because I can't quite figure out the Rams. Well, uh, you, you join the long list of people that are trying to figure this, this team out. Um, you know, the thing is, is and, and what you just described, beating the teams that they shouldn't beat and then losing to the teams that they should beat, that's actually an unfortunate trait of the Jeff Fisher-coached Rams over the last four seasons. You know, he's in the last year of his contract, and there was talk earlier in the year about extending the relationship, renewing the vows, uh, but that's been put on hold. And I think that the, what the Rams want to see – is the team turned that proverbial corner from the seven and nine, eight and eight teams that they've been under Jeff Fisher to a team that can legitimately contend for a playoff spot or at least a winning season, a nine and seven season. Uh, but if they continue down the pattern uh, or the route that they've created so far this year of what you said, beating good teams, losing to the teams that they should beat, it just seems like they're headed in the same exact direction they've been. And that's not going to be good enough. So you know, six games in, and we want to see them take that decisive step forward and beyond just the mediocrity that they've been, but they haven't shown that yet. Hi, Vinny, it's Lewis here. I've got to ask you about the quarterback uh, situation. So uh, you, you knew this was coming, right? So like, how far away is, <laughs> how far away is Jared Goff? And, and also, how much pressure has the emergence of Dak Prescott at Dallas and Carson Wentz at Philadelphia, other rookies from, from that draft class, how much pressure has that put on the Rams to, to put him in? Well, you know, the Rams say that it doesn't. They say that, look, you know, we have our own timeline with Jared Goff and, it, and, it, and it's not going to be pressured uh, or affected or impacted in any way by what's happening with Carson Wentz and Doc Prescott. But I have to believe, you know, deep down, they're obviously keeping an eye on that because they traded six picks to go to the top of the draft from number 15 in the draft to number one to get Jared Goff. When they made that trade, I was under the assumption, a lot of people were under the assumption, that it was for Carson Wentz. He just seemed to have more upside uh, physically, a bigger arm, could beat you with his legs, um, you know, than, than, than Jared did. But 
from the moment that they made that trade, you know, in talking to the Rams, it was like, ah, hold off, you know, and, and it made you believe and then understand Goff was going to be their guy. And now for him to be on the bench and Carson Wentz to do what he's doing and Prescott to be doing what he's doing, to me it has to put a little bit of pressure on them. To answer your original question, though, you know, I think when we're going to see him is when it's going to be, be determined by how the season goes. You know, they started three and one, so it looked like Case definitely had a strong hold on the job. If they continued to win, there would be no reason to make that change. But now that they're three and three, and if they lose on Sunday, that's three and four. That season's starting to go sideways. So if it continues down that path, I would imagine that you're going to see Derek Goff because at some point you have to see what the future is all about with Derek Goff. You made such an investment in him. You need to get him on the field and see what you got. It's a concern that you're sliding towards that seven and nine ball something. Uh, There's a question as well with it. I mean, I understand why they made this decision before the season. When you consider the move and they needed to build up the hype, we're moving to Hollywood, we're moving to L.A., but also having hard knocks come into the building. And and from episode one, we saw him struggle and we saw all that stuff with where where the sun rises. And it kind of felt from the beginning that all us armchair analysts were able to sit there and say, well, I think they've made the wrong choice before we've even seen him step on the field well and then he did step on the field and he didn't you know uh he, he, he only added to that narrative rather than reversed it uh, he struggled he struggled in training camp he struggled in practice he struggled in the preseason games the exhibition games meanwhile uh you know case keenum while he didn't you know he wasn't spectacular by any means he was definitely better than what jared was in the in, in the preseason so you know, on top of that, you, again, have Carson Wentz just playing so well and, and Prescott just coming out of nowhere to be, to basically take Tony Romo's job, even if, you know, Tony Romo comes back at any point, uh, anytime soon. How can you make the switch back to him when Prescott's doing what he's doing? So all of that, and you have the number one pick, the guy that you traded six picks to go get, can't beat out Case Keenum. It's just not a very good look. Um, but I'll, I'll, I have to say this. Jared's looked a lot better in practice. It's not like he looked bad in training camp. It's just he, he wasn't quite there. It was obvious that he wasn't ready. But he's starting to show a lot more of what we thought we were going to see in practice. The arm strength is there. Getting the ball out quickly is there. He's just a bigger, stronger-looking quarterback than Case Keenum is. And I think that the future is still bright. Now, that remains to be seen. The Rams have had a history of blowing it at quarterback, including Sam Bradford, who they discard only for him to turn into a pro bowler with the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> that kind of tells you where they're at, at you know, at quarterback. But, I, but eventually we're going to see Jared Goff, and hopefully for him and hopefully for the Rams, uh, he justifies the investment that they made in him and where he was drafted first overall. I want to ask you about all that talent on the defense in a moment because I do love what we see there, particularly Aaron Donald, one of my favorite players in the league. But just talk to a frustrated dynasty fancy owner about what is going on with Todd Gurley because I can't tell if it's the O-line, if schemes are just packing the box. Uh, Just reassure me that we're going to see a turnaround somewhere here, Vinny. Yeah, you know, you're echoing uh, a lot of concerns and worries that Ram fans have because you have to understand that. I mean, you know this as well as anyone. That the year that he had as a rookie, uh, it just seemed like he was going to build off of that and be the next great superstar in Los Angeles. We have Kobe Bryant retired. There's sort of a vacuum there <laughs> and a definite window of opportunity for somebody to emerge as L.A.'s next big thing. And we assumed that it was going to be Todd Gurley. Unfortunately for him, he's got an offensive line that's grading out as one of the worst in the NFL. And on top of that, a quarterback who doesn't stretch the field, who doesn't put pressure by being able to drive the ball down the field. So what are defenses going to do? They're going to say, look, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to let Todd Gurley beat me. And if Case Keenum does, I'm going to tip my cap to him because I don't think he's going to be able to do it on a consistent basis. And guess what? He hasn't been able to do it on a consistent basis. So they're just going to continue to put eight, nine, ten men in the in the box against an offensive line that's not stout or strong enough to be able to move those bodies out of the way and just make life really difficult for Todd Gurley. And i got to say, the frustration level on his part, he's being a good teammate. You know, he's not going to point fingers, um, but you can tell as the season has gone on, his demeanor has progressively gotten more and more quiet and subdued. And that tells you that it's starting to affect him a little bit. He wants to break out in the worst way because he does have the talent. He is a spectacular player. But because of who he's playing with, 
and what he's facing on the defense, it's we're not seeing it right now. Yeah, and I'm not sure this weekend, Snacks Harrison, Olivia Vernon, who's been brilliant against the run this year, might not be the defense for him to break out against, although we all hope for the fans in Twickenham that he has a huge game, and for the Rams fans around the world. And just finally, Vinny, talk to me about the defense, because Aaron Donald looks like one of the most exciting, disruptive players in the league. We've got Robert Quinn, Michael Brockers, so much talent on that side of the ball, and, and yet, much like it seems to be with all the things with the Rams, nothing's quite coming together at the moment. Yeah, and it doesn't help that, unfortunately, Robert Quinn, you know, he's not played in the last two games. Michael Brockers missed last week's game uh, against the Buffalo Bills, returned against the Lions, but then uh, got hurt. And this is a different injury from the hip injury that he had suffered that kept him out of the, the Buffalo Bills game. So we'll have to see where he's at physically. And then you also lose you know, Tremaine Johnson, your starting cornerback. And, and then yesterday, or excuse me, uh, Sunday, LaMarcus Joyner, another cornerback, goes down. So it's been a battle of attrition for the defense. And as more and more players are lost, the less effective they've been. And they got torched uh, by the Detroit Lions for 31 points. And what's worse about that is they were given a 28-21 lead, you know, point lead. Case Keenum had the game of his life. He completed 19 straight passes at one point. was just dropping dimes left and right. So it was a game that was above and beyond what Case usually does. And he gives them a 28-21 lead. Unfortunately, they can't keep it and give up 10 straight points to lose that game in bitter fashion. So unfortunately for the defense right now, it's a good defense. When they're healthy, they're as good as anybody but they're not right now. And it'll be interesting to see where they are health-wise come Sunday. Philly Bonsignore from the LA Daily News, the LA Rams reporter. Hopefully catch up with him at training tomorrow. Um, should we talk about this weekend? Should we save this weekend's game? Because we're going to have the audio and we'll do a show later in the week. Yeah. We'll have the stuff from the Giants training on Friday, stuff from the Rams training tomorrow. So let's round things off by speaking with Lewis Wiltshire. Lewis Wiltshire is the Senior Director of Media Partnerships at Twitter, used to be the head of sport there, and one of the pioneers behind all they do with NFL in the UK and across the globe. Fascinating chat with him on and off air. But here we asked him about the launch of Thursday Night Football Streaming on Twitter. We're really proud of it, actually. So uh, for those that don't know, uh, we've had 10, uh, or we will have 10 of the Thursday Night Games uh, streaming live on Twitter uh, this year. That's global as well. So uh, you can watch it here in the UK, watch it anywhere. Uh, it's really, it's, it's an incredibly exciting move for us. Twitter's the home of live sports conversation, we think. And now this really puts the home of live video there as well. So it's it's something that you can do there as well. So yeah, it's uh, it's been amazing and, and we've been thrilled with the way it's worked. Uh, I'm intrigued as well. And if you don't have these stats in front of you, Lewis, I completely understand. But in terms of most talked about sports on Twitter, it's interesting in America, NBA, NBA seems to have, uh, you look at the NBA stars, the LeBrons of the world, stuff like that, they seem to be the most followed stars on Twitter. But every Sunday night, it's so focused onto one evening. Um, I certainly know my timeline is nothing but NFL from 6pm till 4am. Comparing it with football and with other sports, how popular is the NFL on Twitter? No, it's hugely popular. And and the thing that we see on Twitter is that when when people come to Twitter is to find out what's happening right now. It's the home of live. So it's always the place that you come when you just want to know, like, what's live right now and they want to talk about what's what's happening right now what's live and for sports fans like us that's often live sport it's live sport that's on tv and you come to twitter and you want to have that you want to see what other people are saying about it you want to see what experts i mean your your twitter is the same mine i follow nfl journalists experts teams players and um, super fans and kind of fan bloggers and you want to see what they're saying about the game live and in real time and that's where Twitter comes into its own so yeah it's, sport is is the ultimate live experience isn't it so that's we see that play out on Twitter every week Lewis I've checked out um, the games on Twitter fantastic quality the quality of it's in proper HD which I don't know why it surprised me it shouldn't have done I guess everything's in it's HD 2016 know, after mate. all I know you're an archaic man that's but. very true I have that archaic beard um, <laughs> I, I'm also interested to know what's the delay because I know you're you're big into you know the it, it, people go to Twitter for what's happening right now a, the, a great um, a critique of, of Game Pass NFL Game Pass that, that it, there is a lag but I didn't seem to, to notice too much of a, a delay with the actual live feed that you're getting through Twitter itself. No, that's that's great to hear, and, and thank you for saying so. It's it's been a it, the experience we we've had incredibly good uh, positive feedback about it. We're particularly proud uh, here in the UK because the video experience that you talk about was built 
uh, out of London, out of our Twitter UK office, which was something which we're incredibly proud of at, at Twitter UK. Uh, but yeah, the HD experience has been has been really really powerful. Um, it's stood up to many many millions of people coming in. So we had uh, over two million people watching the live stream in the first weeks. Wow, uh, up to three point one million people use uh, watching the live stream uh, for last week's game, and then we'll see uh, what the Chicago Packers game is. What we've been talking about, Aaron Rodgers, all all evening, and what's going on with him. People can find out live on twitter in video yeah uh, incredibly popular those those two teams so you'd imagine that's going to get a following and it's great for stuff like if you're you know if you're a night worker you're stuck in work you can't watch it on the tv get it on your phone get on the wi-fi and and watch it through twitter i think that's the kind of ideal ideal situation for you if, if you've got that opportunity and that experience um i'm i'm a huge twitter user i just got my blue tick this week i'll <laughs> drop that now at will gav on twitter producer ollie's shaking his head at me i was very very <laughs> pleased with that in fact i think we called sunday verification sunday when we went out for drinks uh, <laughs> but uh, on the kind of the topic of the use of twitter i was intri- intrigued when you're saying about the, all the people you follow something i do and i don't i probably shouldn't give this away because i know people i'm in fancy leagues will listen to <laughs> with me but something i do on twitter is go to adam Schefter's account just tick that little star next to his account and get yourself notifications because then every time he tweets you get the latest up-to-date news straight onto your phone and i tell you what the number of times i've managed to pick up a player in fantasy off the waiver wire and stuff like that because i've got the news instantaneously before anyone else has got it nobody else has the chance to get in there and that's what twitter offers me certainly it's an absolutely brilliant point and the feature that you're talking about there is that anyone uh, the listeners who who uses twitter anyone who you follow you can actually go and set up mobile alerts for I that I don't user. suggest you do that for at Will Gav, by the way, because there'll be a lot of inane <laughs> stuff on there. No, nor me either, but for someone like Adam Schefter, it's perfect, right? So you click it, and then uh, it means that their tweets get sent directly to your phone. And so, uh, for instance, you could be out for Sunday lunch with your family, and you might be told off by your family for looking at your phone the whole time, but if you just rest your phone, here's a pro tip, rest your phone on the table at the pub lunch next to you with tweets just showing up on the lock screen because you've set up mobile alerts for that user. But really, the, the thing about Twitter is you can configure it to any way that you want it to be used so you don't have to tweet necessarily at all you could just go on and add all of these nfl accounts and follow them and just get that real-time information that's specific to you and your team and the favorite players that you like Let's talk a bit about Thursday Night Football. Actually, we were mentioning it there. It's live on Twitter as well as uh, on our screens on Sky Sports. Uh, Chicago Bears at the Green Bay Packers. And there's part of me that looks at this game and says, Chicago, that young defence are finally starting to flourish. They're getting players back from injury. It's a Thursday night game, so it's a short week. We've seen how Aaron Rodgers has struggled. I'm starting to think a little bit trap game about this Thursday. And if Green Bay lose this, they're in some real trouble. Let's go crackers with the Packers. <laughs> Mike Parry, who famously hates NFL, and yet there he is talking about the Packers. No, I'm really looking forward to this one. It's uh, Out of all the games that we've had so far on Twitter and all the Thursday night games that we've got to look forward to this season, uh, this one does stand out. It's been such a, a weird kind of up and down season so far already for the Packers, uh, for Rodgers and so on. So we'll see what happens there in the Bears. Well... I don't know what's what's happening with the Bears, but uh, yeah, one and five, and um, um, it could well it could be a surprise. Brilliant stuff, Lewis Wiltshire, Ollie Hunter with the big questions. Strong work, mate. Well, there was one in there. It was a good question. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, uh, good. Yeah. We we finished that off by talking Thursday night football. Bears at Packers. I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, I am as well. But Niall Davis, the the second coming. I think. <laughs> <laughs> The second coming! <laughs> I think That's it. the most farcical thing you've ever said, and that really is saying something. <laughs> it really does, doesn't it? Uh, but uh, maybe Eddie Lacey will get rested. I know they've promoted or activated Don Jackson from the practice squad as an, another running back. We may see more of Aaron Ripkowski. Yes! Number 22. Well, um, uh, just uh, an Eddie Lacey update from today was that... Breaking news. Breaking news. From one of the beat writers there is that the... Um, uh, that basically, he didn't train today and it didn't look good for him starting on Thursday. So... Oh, man. It's all Nile Davis all night long. Oh, Nile long. Oh, Nile. Oh, oh man. Did you just oh. come up with that? Yeah, I did. That's pretty good, man. Thanks, buddy. Any uh, other <laughs> Nile Knight uh, <laughs> suggestions? At Gridiron. And if they're better than Will Gavin's, at Will Gav. Uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter to find out all about the party. 30th of October, £10, free beer, one free beer, uh, free magazine, entry 
and you get to come watch games on a big screen with us. And we are looking into the logistics of doing a live podcast as well. The only problem is, A, it won't be till after the, like midway through the late games till there's a room available for us to do it in. So we don't know what state we're going to be in by then. We don't know what state you're going to be in by then. And actually, honestly, I think so, quite a lot of people might have left after the early games. So I'm worried we'll be doing it to like an audience of four. Um, but we'll think about it. Tweet us if you'd come along and watch it. Yeah? Yeah. Happy? Yeah. Great. Gridiron-magazine.com forward slash after party for more ticket info. Ollie, any final thoughts on this baggy all over the shop, but yet quite fun podcast? No. It's wonderful, actually, to be in the studio with you again. Oh, it is. It's nice. Yeah. I do wonderful. like your little upside down head. Wonderful. So pretty. Uh, uh, enjoy Leeds, mate. Enjoy the awards. Can I hope you enjoy you the win. North? Uh, Leeds is a great city. I've never been. It is a genuinely, it's a great city. Really good night Okay, out. at Ollie Hunter... Where can me and Darren Goff and Adrian Durham... <laughs> Goffy's got to be a local hero in Yorkshire, surely. Where can we go in Leeds? What, what's a good Leeds place is, to go? And Mark Sagers, sorry. Yeah, he's coming as oh well. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Amateur hour! Uh, right. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Those weird little in-jokes to finish off the show. Uh, at Gridiron on Twitter, at Will Gav, at Ollie Hunter, hashtag Blue Tick Gavin... <laughs> you're listening to you've been listening to and hopefully you've been enjoying the gridiron show what's point. the point <laughs> get on with it oh he's gone where's david james are you fifa hello don't worry about that